guys! Welcome back to Feelings Underrated. I'm Ellen. And I'm Charlotte. Before we start this episode, we just want to say thank you so much for over 2,000 streams. Yeah. That is insane. It's amazing to think that people want to listen to us talk, so thank you so much. Um, and I realised this week that we didn't put up any polls on our Instagram, but I think we kind of realised that this topic, um, you know, doesn't really require any outside opinion other than ours. And if you guys kind of want to get involved, I, I really enjoyed the interviews that we did last week, and I not last week, last fortnight. And out of the ones we've posted, that one has done the best, definitely. And I think we'll try and get some like more people to interview. So if you guys want to be involved, just DM us um, at PS Underrated on Instagram. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about feminism, particularly liberal feminism, third wave feminism, feminazis, how we're ruining the world and taking over with our bra burning and men killing. Um, <laughs> sorry. Lockdown's taking its toll. I know, but seriously, um, I mean, I think when we're talking about feminism and like more recently widespread liberal feminism, um, I think, I don't know, I I think we need to kind of talk about the meaning of what it is because when we think feminism, initially we think, okay, equality between the sexes. And um, when I hear that, like I think, you know, particularly over my growth of political awareness in recent years and months, I've realised that what we, well, what I don't want anyway, is I don't want equality because equality would mean having the same privileges and the same social standing as men in society. But what we have to understand is that privilege is rooted in abuse and oppression. And I don't want to have that privilege. I just want to, you know, abolish the structures that allow men or people to have those privileges. And I think my question to you, Charlotte, is do you think that makes us feminists or are we not feminists anymore if we don't i i think we can agree that the meaning of feminism has changed over the years why do you think that is and how do you think it has changed for you anyway i think it used to be a very very radical notion i mean if you put it in context of the suffragettes and the suffragists even that was a radical notion establishing um some degree of equality in the eyes of the law and now that we've progressed beyond the very basic primitive um, equality in quotation marks a lot of people kind of argue that we're done and that, that that our job is done yeah yeah that our job is done but in the context of modern day feminism it's more than it's more than bra burning and haha kill all men it's become really watered down and it's not got the radical notion that i think it should encompass because when you say feminism now the first thing that springs to mind is a is a catchy slogan like hashtag girl boss or a sticker and i think in yeah. watering down something that was inherently meant to go towards liberation it's counterproductive because how are you going to achieve liberation and the release of oppression if the extent of your activism is marketable now definitely and i think a huge part of that so i guess what you're saying is the how we've commodified feminism mm-hmm. to like you said make it marketable make profit off of it which in itself is i guess anti-feminist and ironic because you're yeah exactly you're you're profiting off the labor and the exploitation of women in the first mm-hmm. place when you go down that route but also i reckon that you know how we've taken feminist as rather than ideology kind of a um identifier like we identify as a feminist and i think what happens then is like you said it waters it down and makes it less radical because when you identify as feminist it kind of implies that every single move you make has to be a feminist action and under a patriarchy under capitalism that's not physically possible and so when people see oh feminist and they're just living their lives when it's not possible for every action to be a feminist one like as in quote-unquote feminist 
then it waters down what should be something radical into something that is every day like oh we have the freedom to make um, feminist choices which isn't always the case I think the thing that set us back so far was companies realising that people were taking an interest in, you know, their own activism and their own liberation to an extent. And they're just completely flipping that on its head. And I think in my mind, the classic example is BuzzFeed convincing us that peak <laughs> feminism was painting with tampons and telling men that they couldn't sit so their balls didn't get crushed. Yeah, that was that was as a, like an eight-year-old that was what i was watching on youtube and yeah. now that i think about it in hindsight obviously the majority of the women were white the majority of the women were straight the ma- yeah. all the women were cis etc so it absolutely was not intersectional which is the most crucial thing to do when you are practicing any sort of activism or movement but it just it watered down what we were talking about and Arguably, the more important matters were the abolishment of patriarchy, the liberation of women, especially in third world countries, were affected by things such as genital mutilation, really severe problems. But here we are painting on a canvas with a chunky tampon and getting cross at men for spreading their legs a little bit on a train. And I don't think that's what feminism encompasses at all. Though I have to say that is how my feminist journey, if mm. you like, if you will allow started that's how i that's how i think i was reading books i you know what's a girl gonna do um i was reading it and i was thinking yeah this is it this is what i want to do like this, i men shouldn't be allowed to push their legs in like in on train seats they shouldn't be allowed to catcall me they shouldn't be allowed to like grope me on the subway mm-hmm. and like in my mind because that's what we can relate to it's much easier to sell something that women can relate to than say liberate the women in the global south than yeah. say aren't you mad that men are groping you on the train it's like it's much easier to say that and Lou, like you said with intersectionality it's also much easier to sell things that aren't intersectional because it's much more palatable i agree i think there is a certain degree if you need a starting point to be able to push an agenda because yeah. there's no way that you're gonna sell something radical to the majority of the population if they don't feel there's it's worth their time or there's a degree of relatability so it is definitely worth targeting the everyday sexism that we encounter which as ellis said stems beyond the oppression of the women in the global south but at the same time it's important not to get swept up in that and then to commodify it for purely yeah. your own use and i think you need to ask yourself is your feminism or your activism in general um to be honest is your feminism working for you or for the good of everyone in that marginalized group that you are attempting to liberate or bring light to because if it's only serving you which the majority of feminism nowadays is i mean it's easy for me a young conventionally not unattractive cis white straight girl to just sit here and just take it all because the majority of that's catered towards me but the most radical feminism you know was started by women of color and it um advocates for disabled women and trans women and that's the stuff that is so easy to just overlook i mean going back to that girl boss feminism let's talk about why that's problematic in the first place you know like you said liberation for yourself for personal reasons isn't liberation for you know the group as a whole and so when we're talking about quote-unquote girl boss feminism what we mean by that is this notion that you know we're telling women like just work your way to the top get to the top of the ladder become a ceo become powerful that's feminism when in reality all you're doing is mimicking the way that men oppress women Mm -hmm. and that is through power structures 
I mean, what would you say about that? Is is that feminism if, you, if you're just working your way to the top? Absolutely not, because the top as an idea, there is only a distinction between the top and the bottom because of class structures. And one of those class structures yeah. is sexism, which enables anyone that's not a woman to be below men. So I'd say absolutely not, because you're still playing into that power structure. And in my mind, if we're truly wanting to achieve the liberation of women, the best way to achieve that is to dismantle the structures that meant that they were oppressed in the first place, not just whack a couple at the top in the name of tokenism or shut people up so they can't complain anymore. And I also think it doesn't create a lot of allowance for not just women, but also people that don't conform to being either male or female, because then when you place so much emphasis on the distinction between genders, you kind of, you would, you would feel out of place if you had no distinct role and i think whilst it's really important that whilst it's really important that we don't allow this to continue if we did allow this to continue we just blurred the line slightly i think that's confusing what do you mean by confusing do you mean that like we've kind of created a false sense of equality or what what do you like what becomes what are we blurring the lines between is it between um the you know like you said the liberation of women and their um ability to participate within capitalism and within the structures that we have in society or is it you know what like what do you mean by that i think it blurs the lines between the states of what is actually occurring in terms of power structures and also where you as an individual fit into it because if there is a power structure and you're slightly changing what we know to be true i think i'm talking in the context of somebody that doesn't conform to being a woman or being a man so if you are non-binary or gender non-conforming i think that whilst feminism obviously seeks to I mean, in my head, at its core, feminism seeks to eradicate sexism, and I think we should do that between by dismantling power structures. You you sort of wonder where you fit into that, because you're not a woman, so is this movement there to help you or not? And I'd say mm. in the case of liberal feminism, probably not, because you're, yeah. because you're not a woman, and that's the whole pushing point, is you're going to be a hashtag girl boss. But this is another reason why I think it's so important that we just focus on eradicating the distinction between um genders and structures and things like that because that also creates allowance for people that are not male or female i mean i think more recently i've seen a lot of people distancing themselves from the label feminism because of the reasons that we've said it is exclusionary to people of color to queer people and a lot of people have been like um you know talking about womanism and i've seen a lot of white people saying oh like I'm a womanist, like I, I, which when we're talking about the distinction between womanist and feminist, like we'll we'll get into that later, but I think it's important to mention that the reason womanism was created was for people of colour, because in its sense, feminism has become anti-minority. Yeah. Like Like we've said, like it's not marketable to market queer, disabled, fat, black bodies then rather than say oh look like girl power go us like we're you know do you know what i mean doing the bare minimum exactly yeah that's the thing because in theory why wouldn't you want to be a womanist over a feminist because so if you don't know what womanism is it's basically an alternative in a sense to feminism which as we as we as we say focuses far more on the liberation of women rather than just raising a couple of women to the seat at the oppressive table however this is a safer space for as we said the minority people that aren't represented in feminism so it's important to understand that as white girls this isn't our movement to colonize and infiltrate yeah because then it won't be a safe space anymore because whether we like it or not there is distinction between sexism and whiteness and it's just 
there needs to be a safe space. Yeah, because at the end of the day, our whiteness comes before our womanhood. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess when we're talking about womanism, what is the main distinction between being a feminist and being a womanist? I think in its simplest form, and this is very, very oversimplified, I do highly recommend reading more on this if you're interested because we're not going to do it justice in the time we have yeah but i think it's more liberal feminism versus revolutionary feminism so the focus is on maybe making women feel a bit more comfortable in society versus getting rid of the cause of the reason there is uncomfortableness in, mm. in the first place so rather than healing the symptoms healing the actual disease in the first place exactly and you might be thinking, well, this sounds great. Why can't I be a womanist? I want to be a womanist. This is exactly what I advocate for. But as we mm. said, in, in womanism, there is a space for people who have been marginalised to have their voices heard. And it is just vital that we don't, as I said, colonise that space because it is vital yeah. if we want to make any sort of change and change the way that we look at women and liberation of people against patriarchy we have to be inclusive and in over in whitewashing that movement or making it non-representative we're not going to achieve that goal i think the thing with liberal feminism is it prioritizes feeling empowered the the feeling of empowerment of feeling that you have some kind of control or you're regaining um like your control over the actions you take in everyday life and labeling it as feminist rather than the actual empowerment as in giving societal power mm. to women to queer people and i think we need to distinguish what is being actually empowered and what is just feeling empowered and is it a bad thing like i've seen a lot of people say you know you don't wear makeup for yourself and i i agree with that to some extent and we'll get into that later about um you know it's just about feeling empowered it doesn't actually empower you because at the end of the day those products were marketed and chosen for you as the consumer and while in your head you're thinking oh i'm making a feminist choice to wear this makeup because i feel more confident in it you know we have to think about why we feel more confident in the first place but is that actually empowering because you're choosing to put that on or does it just feel empowering because of what we've been told we should be confident and comfortable within I think for me, the biggest thing that I possibly did for myself as someone who had an interest in power structures and societal power was accepting mm. the fact that I had absolutely no control over the predetermined structures and that I was just, yeah. as, as morbid as it sounds, I was just another pawn in that grand scheme of things in that mm. I don't actually have any power. And to me, that was more powerful than pretending I actually did because it's futile to act as if you've got something that you haven't. And I think that if we actually want to achieve that sort of stage to any sort of degree, we need to understand that right now we don't have the resources to make a change. We don't have that. And we can have that, but we don't. Not right now. Okay, then if we're thinking about like dismantling these power structures that we have, what needs to be done then? Are you, are you, are you suggesting revolution, Charlotte? <laughs> don't look at me like that. <laughs> I'm saying that reform isn't enough. <laughs> I can't say that. End, end podcast. <laughs> end podcast. Communist reveal. USSR theme just starts playing in the background <laughs> instead of the Ben sound. Okay, okay, all jokes aside, we don't support the USSR. Let's just put we're that not there, tankies. No. Okay, so if we're talking about reform, what what does that like include? If if we're saying, okay, reform is enough, what would that include when we're trying to like if we're not dismantling, we're just reforming. And like what would that 
entail. Reforming is improving upon a system that pre- if it's pre-existing, but you've got to factor mm-hmm. in the fact that that system is not working to its full no it is working to its full ability but it's not working in your interest at all so you're Mm. so whether or not you make improvements it's still an inherently oppressive system and that's the issue so obviously i think realistically the best thing that we can do in the interest of the masses at the moment is to make improvements on a system to make a society more accommodating for people that aren't men and people that are oppressed by patriarchy whether that be through actually taking people's um, expressions and voices seriously rather than writing them off off as angry feminists. I think that's a very harmful trope that's emerged recently. And I know that a lot of people mean it in the name of banter, but that's just, that makes it even more off-putting as if expressing the fact that you are directly affected by an oppressive structure is something to be joked about because it's not. And also, I mean, I know you said recently, but it's definitely not a recent trope. Mm. Like, and this is specifically affects people of colour because there's there's already that stereotype of an angry, bitter black woman, which is obviously like we created the stereotype um around people of colour. And then when you mix that in with feminism and you're calling people feminazis, um, you know, you're saying, Oh, you're just a bitter woman, aren't you? And then you mix that in with um, you know, black feminists, that's just even worse because those there's no escape from that. There's no escape from that stereotype. And then no no like no changes can be made because we're so stuck on the fact that you are upset that we are upset Mm -hmm. i think uh, the majority of men that have opposed anything i've said what they've said to me is oh you're so angry why are you so bitter as if that's the worst thing they can say to me i am angry I that's the whole point (laughs) i actually made a tiktok about this and it was the only one of mine that i've ever made that actually got a few views but what i was saying was um yeah, I am angry. Yeah, I am bitter. Because there was this girl saying, oh, feminists are so bitter. You're just bitter women. I was like, yes, yeah. we are. Do you know why we're bitter? And then I listed off some reasons that everyday sexism, sexism occurred. But then beyond that, mm. some ways that um, third world countries particularly are affected by extreme, extreme oppression. So yeah, I am entirely bitter. But I don't think it's unjustified anger. And I think if we keep denying yeah. the fact that we need to get angry, there's never going to be any sort of change and it will just all emerge into another cesspool of problems. I think we cannot have this feminist discussion and not talk about sexual empowerment Mm. because I think with liberal feminism it's created this facade of um you know um having you know reclaiming your sexuality and then calling it empowerment and then marketing it as liberation and saying um if you play by okay for example podcasts like call her daddy Mm. and things that basically promote you know, playing by the patriarchy's rules, saying, oh, just just go with it. Like, just be chill. Like, just be a chill girl. Go with the flow. Like, just go and be a slut. Do it. And then we create this hookup culture, which we can talk about later. And, you know, we market that as empowerment and saying, look at you, you're empowered. You're an empowered woman. You can go and have sex with all these people. Is that empowerment? Like, does that actual, actually give us any societal standing of empowerment? Or is it a facade? Do we Are we actually given power through this, through reclaiming our bodies? I don't necessarily think it's reclaiming our bodies because I'd argue our bodies were never ours to begin with. But I think there is a certain... I'm not going to sit here and say that there is no empowerment or a feeling of empowerment in doing what you want. Because if you're in an oppressive system anyway, you might as well use it to your own advantage. It's not what misogyny yeah, does exactly. against you, it's what misogyny can do for you. It can do for you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
But um, but it's not worth denying the fact that you are still massively adhering to things that work against you, such as the male gaze. I mean, in the words of Margaret Atwood, male fantasies, male fantasies is everything a male fantasy. Male, Margaret yeah. Atwood goes on to say that you are your own voyeur. You are a woman with a man inside of you watching you. So essentially, everything you do adheres to that predetermined fulfillment of male desire to an extent so it's so even if when you are being liberated in quotation marks and sleeping with who you want to sleep with and doing what you want to do you're still adhering to male fantasy even pretending not to adhere to a male fantasy is a male fantasy another quote exactly but then i think i've seen a lot of discourse around this saying oh it's so reductionary so it's such a throwaway thing to just be like even when you're pretending that you're not catering to male fantasies it's a male fantasy and can we ever win then should we just ignore it and just genuinely do whatever we think we want to do or is it something that we've been marketed to us to think that we want to do do you know what i mean there's so many outside um terms and conditions that influence the way you feel but let's get one thing straight it doesn't come independently from you you are a byproduct Mm -hmm. of the environment that you are cultivated within and a lot the majority of what you're thinking isn't an independent thought from within you that's quite a depressing thought though isn't it don't you think i mean it could seem a bit nihilistic but i think in a way it's the most liberating thing you can do is accepting that these are the conditions in which you live and now that you have a more acute awareness of the way the world functions you've got a much better chance of making some sort of change about it i think what comes into this is what i've seen a new term that was coined on tiktok right and actually i don't wait i don't know if this is a new term coined by tiktok i've seen it become popularized yeah yeah exactly exactly i mean okay from what i know bimbo is a slang term for conventionally attractive sexualized naive and unintelligent woman the term was originally used in the united states as early as 1919 and it often describes a woman who are blonde have curvaceous figures heavy makeup and revealing clothing i think within that we can already see how exclusionary that is of people of color like it's already conventional and blonde like that's literally in the definition of bimbo and i think what bimbofication kind of presents is women taking this term and you know so so somewhat like reclaiming it but i don't know if is that really like can we really reclaim that word when it i don't know like is that possible can we feel empowerment through taking something that was used against specifically white women to call them dumb and stupid and like sexual creatures just there like you said for men's enjoyment and taking that and you know personifying that and taking that role on and saying oh i've been beside myself i'm i'm empowered is that a thing like can we do that i don't know because when you think of a bimbo that is the epitome of who misogyny hates albeit a white woman so it's not it's not the absolute epitome but if you were to <laughs> think of who who do who do men hate this sort of figure of the the dumb blonde with big boobs would be kind of someone who would come to mind so i think it's challenging the trope that appearance and sexualization etc etc has any correlation to intelligence and worth and i think it's good to challenge harmful tropes but as you said it is incredibly exclusionary and i don't think it achieves anything revolutionary at all Mm. and i think whilst it's absolutely okay and even good to challenge harmful tropes against women and have some fun with stuff that's working against you anyway i think it's naive to suggest that that makes a societal or cultural difference when to a a large degree anyway it's just playing into that even more i mean i know you said it's what misogyny hates but i would argue that's what misogyny loves they love dumb sexual things like they're they're just objects for men's enjoyment men's fantasies that is the definition of that white curvy heavy makeup it's it's a sexual object for men to enjoy 
And on top of that, she doesn't have a brain, which is great for men because they already don't think we have brains. So, I mean, is that what misogyny hates or is it what misogyny has created? I would argue it's what misogyny has created okay. from, you know, a white woman. I, I agree with you there. I think it feels like you're hated because you're treated with such disrespect if you adhere to any of those qualities mm. or any part of that caricature. But in reality, that's the sort of thing that does enable misogyny to thrive. I agree with you there. And I think in recognising things like bimbofication as contributors to the way we look at feminism, it is really helpful to recognise the fact that modern day sexism is still a large part of this. And a lot of people downplay it as saying, uh, third wave feminism, it's just really insignificant things. But I think unless you've experienced it, I mean, obviously, it's, it's hard to understand unless you experience it. But there are so many ways in which sexism affects people on a daily basis that people don't even account for. And then we internalise that sexism, right? And we use it against ourselves. There's... I mean, do you think that internalised misogyny can manifest itself into things like bimbofication? Yeah, I definitely think so. It, it depends what you do with it, though, because if you just accept it as truth, then that can turn you into a, in quotation marks, a pick-me girl. You're going out of mm. your way to be accepted by the people that enforce misogyny. Or you go on the flip side and you try and challenge that misogyny. But either way, it still had an effect on you in that you've, developed the way that you react to it the normalization of anything oppressive is dangerous but we don't i don't think people recognize the fact that things that are seen as insignificant such as cat calling boys talking over girls mansplaining things like that they are they're all contributors mm. to a large problem and i'm a 15 year old girl elif and i are 15 year old girls and it's very rarely outwardly, oh my god, why did they say that? But it's all just implications that we're lesser to some degree, whether it be because we're dressing a certain way or we're expressing our voices. I mean, a prime example is that we've got actually a surprising amount of backlash from starting a podcast, which I don't think we would have got if A, we were right wing and B, we were not female. And I, I, I do believe that because a lot of it kind of targets around the fact that people don't view us as intelligent when the fact that we sit for 45 yeah. minutes discussing intricate topics I think that speaks for itself <laughs> I mean I don't know I think I, what I noticed is wi- like the women in my life or the girls in my life were you know like felt very like strongly well most of them anyway like very positively towards you know making a podcast us speaking our minds and then they found it refreshing the boys, the boys yeah they found it refreshing they were like oh my god like I just I'm over the whole course of like since summer until now like all I've ever heard from girls are you're so like confident like I don't know how you're doing this like this is so great like I love what you guys do like I love listening to it, it makes me feel so much better reaffirming yada, yada, yada. and then from boys all I hear is ew you entitled clout chasing yeah slur like that's that's all I get because that it's not they don't they don't like it like they it's not they're not used to it because they're so brought up with the culture that you know, oh, when 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 say things like, oh my god, you're not like other girls. They're saying, oh my god, you have a brain, yeah. you have a personality. That is so weird. I grew up seeing women's bodies com- being commodified. I did not see them as human beings. I saw them as objects for my desire, for my fantasy. And while they're not thinking that consciously, that is a constant like feed being you know fed to them since day one. Of you know, and it's the same thing. Like I've noticed, you know, men are so much more like sensitive to male nudity than we are to female nudity mm-hmm. not because they see that another man's body and they get grossed out but because they're so used to seeing women's bodies commodified and used to market things that 
we aren't people anymore to them we are just a marketing strategy like we talked about before in mental health you know we are objects of sex marketing because that's what we do we push around product and men make profit off of it they make profit off of our body so why should the boys in our life think that we're anything more than either annoying feminazis or you know someone they can fuck i think something that really relates to that my ankle toes something else that really relates to the complete entitlement over women's bodies and i don't know if this is just the way i've been on tiktok recently but i've seen a, wor- a worrying resurgence in like a madonna hall complex vibe as in oh, men literally started. proving freud right men stop proving oh. freud right challenge <laughs> literally please stop but it's just like yeah, yeah oh my god posing the idea as if they're being respectful basically what that if you don't know what the, what the madonna hall complex is it's basically men saying once they develop a certain emotional attachment to a woman they are unable to view her in a sexual light and that's actually yeah. incredibly misogynistic because it's saying until you before before um you had my respect i could sexualize you but now i respect yeah. you and see you as a person i don't want to sexualize you anymore almost as if sexualization yeah. is inherently derogatory which it is because you made it that way because you made it that way and like oh the thing that irks me so much about the madonna hall complex is like they think that they're like they think they're you know giving something to you they're saying oh i respect you now i would never like i don't see you in that like you're better than the other girls you're different you know i don't want to fuck you i don't want to violently assault you because i have respect for you you have a brain it's great but only you oh my god only you only you though because you're different you're not like other girls oh my god go bugger off sorry what i literally saw a guy being like uh like i'm not being misogynistic but do girls even have hobbies (laughs) it just it's like (laughs) what and anything girls do and they're just like Nah, girls don't have hobbies. What, they don't have a personality. What do you think we're doing? We just sit and stare at the wall and put on mascara. And then, what do we do? What do we do with our lives? We don't have hobbies. Nope, that's it. We're just, we're mindless sex objects to them. So why should they think any differently? And the worst, the most infuriating part about this is when you even try to articulate a fraction of this, it sounds really headstrong because in isolation, obviously, that's that's awful and you would never do that. But this is what yeah, we need course. people to understand. It's the smallest factors that offhand comments that are just like inherently misogynistic that just contribute to this normalization and this culture that just make it so so normal to just view women as the other and that's harmful that was so good (laughs) (laughs) i think i'm shouting can i just say can i just say whenever we're like oh we're so good you know like whenever i say that around boys they're like oh my god you like you're so full of yourself oh, and, and then whenever i say around girls they're like you're so confident i i aspire to be you like <laughs> they like gas me up so much and then around boys it's just like oh my god you're so like headstrong you're oh so my god you're I, arrogant prick <laughs> i just remembered that last night i was chatting to somebody a boy and he got really <laughs> upset boy. because i put full stops at the end of my sentence and i said what's the problem but i was being sarcastic right i just put i literally put full stop at the end of my sentence and he said what was your sentence what did you say i was just like yes full stop and he was like oh my god that's so jarring why he literally said that's so jarring why are you being someone you're not i know you're better than this why are you being so angry and it was because i put full stop and this is just further proof that nobody likes it when women express any sort of anger or just it wasn't anger it was literally good-hearted sarcasm (laughs) 
<laughs> and then they say we can't take a joke. But like, <laughs> it's because we have to be palatable and soft and digestible and small and petite and cute and, <laughs> and you know, to fit their mould of what we need to be. And as soon as we're not putting exclamation marks or hearts or kisses at the end of our sentences, we're not the girls they thought they were. We, they, they thought we were. We're different. We're better than that, Charlotte. We can prevail. Don't worry. <laughs> Do you know what the worst part about that is? Is I was having so much fun. I said, well, what is your perfect girl then? And the first thing he said was like, chill. Funny. Chill. Chill is just a code word for saying she doesn't say anything and she just kind of lets me We're walk like... all over. <laughs> yeah. Chill is like, she lets me make racist and misogynistic jokes and probably a bit of, chuck a bit of homophobia in there as well. And she'll laugh along with me. Like, basically just my little... <laughs> my little sidekick. My little prop to have. And like... <laughs> chill like i don't know what it is about when guys say i just want to chill girls like okay so you don't want her to have opinions basically basically it's what you're saying like you don't want her to have what is it you don't want her to have a passion like what is it about like being a chill girl you just she lets you walk all over her like what is it what does that even mean chill like what i can't get angry i'm not allowed to be angry because i need to be chill and cool and okay with everything he does it's just this idea of palatability in that if you're not of a small and shrunken down version of yourself, you're too much and you're too much to handle. You're a liability and you're just you're just too much. And that's a really dangerous idea because then it discourages people from talking out about things they want to do. Like in relation to this conversation, you're far less likely to talk about being a feminist if you are told that being loud or outspoken to any degree is annoying. I just have this memory of being in second year, which is year eight, so I was about 12 or 13. I think about 12. And then um, I sort of, you know, when you're in RE and you're debating abortion, there's one person who like (laughs) gets a little bit too passionate. That was me. Um, And it it become a bit noticeable as much as I tried to hide it because I was desperately insecure and I didn't want to draw that much attention to myself. And then these kids just kind of confronted me in registration one day and they were like, Charlotte, are you a feminazi? And obviously that really (gasps) threw me off. And they looked at me with such like distaste that I was kind of desperate to prove that I was worthy of their time and I wasn't annoying I wasn't a burden so I was like you were chill I was like yeah yeah I was the chill girl I was like no 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 no. I'm not like a feminazi I just like believe in equality which is like (laughs) the most disgusting phrase and I like but I I was 12 and I didn't really know what to do against these kids that were essentially ganging up on me but it's so funny who were these kids who was this who was this it was beep 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 oh my god great combo it was girls get the bleeps out today That's so bad. I mean, there's always, there's always like, you know, there's the ones against the feminazis and there's the feminazis who will hide away after they've been told they're feminazis and then they'll come out and start a fucking podcast. <laughs> and I know this isn't a revolutionary thing to say at all because we all know this, but feminazi, you are comparing the fight <laughs> for some sort of gender justice to the mass murder and persecution of six million Jews. In what just, way does, is that a correlation you are able to make? What the fuck? It's just like, I just, I remember it was so, dis- it's like a distinct memory in my head when like we were all like, I was in the, I think it was like year seven or year eight. And um, I don't know what I said. I think these, my guy friends were like talking about a girl and obviously they were being like, pricks about it and they were saying like oh yeah like whatever she's crazy like but she's like i still bang i still hear whatever like um you know stuff like that and i'd be like guys like don't don't do that like don't just don't and then they'd be like i remember and it was the guy i liked and, I, and he turned around and he was like Elif, stop being such a feminazi 
<gasps> it broke my heart. My heart was broken. And I was like, <gasps> and anyway, I was like, I'm not a feminazi, whatever. I just don't think, you know, you should be talking about girls like that. Whatever. I don't know why I said I was fucking like 11 or 12. And oh, I don't know. Like, and then I just, obviously I was quiet, didn't talk about feminism. And then I read another like, don't let men spread their legs on the train kind of book feminist, you know, liberal feminist book and that, you know, sparked my interest again. But like, it's so weird how like, that's such a universal experience of like, oh, if you have an opinion that just happens to like, not take misogynistic jokes on the chin, you know, just just go with it. Just be chill. You're, yeah, you're a Nazi, basically. Yeah, yeah you yeah, are a you're neo-Nazi. Basically a, oh, it's just... <laughs> And then this this is where people will incorporate the third wave feminism as in, yeah, I think women should vote, maybe, but then then challenging um modern day, everyday aspects of sexism, that's too much for me. And I think that talking about third wave feminism is just a way of you saying that you're uncomfortable, that you have to confront the fact that you contribute to an oppressive and harmful structure that continues to operate on a daily basis. Because if you're a man, that benefits you and that makes you uncomfortable. So to, to disguise this, you shit on third wave feminism and modern day feminism and imply that it's unnecessary when the fact that you are uncomfortable is just an indication of the fact that we need it more than ever i kind of want to touch on um you know talking about why we don't wear makeup for ourselves or why we do wear makeup for ourselves and what is you know the difference between you know like we said being empowered and feeling empowered and i remember that you made a tiktok once and it was like you know controversial opinions like i don't think women wear makeup for themselves and um i think it was someone commented being like well then why do I do it at two in the morning just for myself for no one else to see and then you know I, I can't remember what you said but like it just kind of perfectly explained you don't do it for yourself because like she's like oh I just do it for the ghosts in my room I was like do you mean the male mean gaze <laughs> it's just the fact that you are so bogged down with the way people perceive you and adhering to a beauty standard that's misogynistic racist um ableist whatever whatever that at 2am in the morning when there is nobody to perceive you but yourself you are taking the effort to do a full face of makeup and it in to let's clarify this isn't like you're painting your face blue for the fun of it this is like you're doing eyeliner to make your eyes look bigger and then eyelashes and then highlighter and covering up your blemishes like that's to enhance Mm. your beauty in quotation marks right and the fact that you cannot escape this is just more indication that you are your own voyeur there is a man inside of you viewing you you because even in the quietest hour of the early morning you still have to adhere to that to feel comfortable and to feel valid and that is more of an indication than anything i've ever heard as to why you do not wear it for yourself because i like let's let's be completely clear here elif and i wear makeup a lot like i'm literally sitting here with light makeup on right now as is elif yeah i'm wearing mascara concealer covering the bags that i didn't sleep and for who what for charlotte no. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. exactly. No I, my justification this morning was I wanted to feel like I was getting ready. But why is that a part mm. of my morning routine adhering to a beauty standard? It, can, yeah, I think I think it's really important to remember that like it doesn't make you a bad feminist. No, not I've at all. People, and the thing is, people get really, really defensive, and I definitely used to get so defensive. And like people were saying it for the wrong reasons. That like, people would say like, "You're not wearing makeup for yourself. Um, you're not a feminist." And I would be like no wrong but i was getting angry for the wrong reasons but like people get really defensive because it kind of makes you feel like out of control i don't know yeah. like it makes you feel like wrong in the, in the things that you're doing but it's not wrong it's not like anti-feminist it doesn't make you a bad feminist 
you just have to and it doesn't mean you should stop doing it either like i'm still going to keep putting on mascara every morning for online school because i know that like some people in my class are going to see me but like you just have to like constantly be conscious of the fact why does that make you feel more comfortable and why does that make you feel more confident because i know a lot of people will reason say that like oh i would make up for myself because it makes me feel more confident and happy and like comfortable but why yeah. Why? What is it about adhering to a beauty standard to a greater degree that makes you feel comfortable and validated? Well, it's probably the fact that you're now perceived as more worthy because you look more mm. beautiful, whatever, whatever. If you're interested in beauty standard, listen to the first episode we ever published. We talk about it in a lot more detail there. But at the end of the day, we're uncomfortable unless we're being perceived in a quotation marks, like a good light. And when we're mm. perceived as ugly or not effort, well, that's the worst thing a woman can be you know there's still because then we don't have worth exactly because historically up until a very very recent point in time women were still just the pets the objects the little the things on the side to look nice and look pretty and that's something that we're not going to be able to shake off that's just a rooted part of our society i believe Mm -hmm. and that's why we are our own voyeurs we adhere to beauty standards etc etc because it's a predetermined expectation i mean why do you think men don't alter their appearance via putting things on their face the most they'll do is put a little bit of gel in their hair or something because it's not expected i was talking about this with um my dad and my sister about like why do we shave as women Mm -hmm. like why do we shave our bodies clean and and uh quote-unquote clean like rid of any traces of hair and my dad was saying well i don't know if it's to do with I, i know it's to do with beauty standards but also maybe like women naturally have less testosterone and so you know there's less hair grows i don't know like maybe that's why it's associated with femininity and i was thinking like but why are we altering that if that's if less hair is feminine then surely your natural feminine state Mm -hmm. would be considered enough but it's not it's not enough and it will never be enough because otherwise you're winning and they don't want you to win they want to control you and the how they make how they control you is to sell you things to make you feel ashamed and ugly without mascara or with prickly legs also it's very worth noting that the the beauty standards are inherently pedophilic because you want a petite hairless quiet innocent little girl that sounds a bit like a child to me and i know that we all know this but i we can't have this conversation without acknowledging the fact that the beauty standard isn't just oppressive it's disturbing and of course plays into the role of palatability Mm -hmm. because loud hairy short eyelashed eye bagged women aren't palatable (laughs) no one wants to see that stay in your cave like (laughs) stay in your cave I just can't. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm talking about myself. <laughs> I wasn't describing all hairy women as monsters. I was including myself in the mix. <laughs> after after fifty minutes of intellectual conversation, we've juiced the lemon. There is nothing. The pips are squeezed. Have your lemonade. Take it and go. On that note, thank you. On that, let me do the outro. <laughs> On that note, if you enjoyed the episode, please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts since that's the only way our podcast can be pushed out. Click the follow button on Spotify. Follow our Instagram account at opinionated and underrated. Email us um, opinionated and underrated at gmail.com. All right, you don't need to, you don't need to. The rest of it's all going to be in the description. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We will see you in the okay. fortnight. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>